be doing some more with them. We don't know exactly. But uh, it's going to be a great time because she was a missionary to China. And she's been a part, I think she's been over with Heidi Baker and all kinds of different ones where there's been unbelievable, incredible miracles happen. And so it's going to be great to have her here with us. And uh, then after that, and we got people coming from out of town to be a part of that, by the way, to, to participate and receive. Then after that, then we have the CFFI conference in July. And we have people coming from one side of the United States to the other, from north to south, east and west. And I'm probably going to have to put out enough chairs, probably double what we got in here right now, to be able to accommodate everybody that's coming. And we'll, of course, we'll invite others that have been a part of us in the past. Some are pastoring and helping in other churches, and some are in churches here in this area. And uh, it'll be a good time Thursday night, the 21st of July through Sunday morning. And Garland Bilbo will turn him loose on Friday night and Sunday morning. And he's a preacher. I mean, he is really an excellent preacher. And he finished his doctoral program. I don't know if I got to call him Dr. Bilbo or not, but anyhow. And Lee Short finished his doctoral program, so he's a, got his doctorate in theology. All these guys are so much smarter than me. I just, I'm thankful the Holy Ghost works with me. He works with them too, but that really helps me out a lot when he's moving and doing what he does really well. But uh, it, it's so good to have our conference again. And uh, Brother Eliezer Hernandez will be our featured speaker on Saturday night at the banquet. Uh, he has helped to start 20 churches in the Amazon in South America, as well as he pastors a great church in Cary, which is a suburb of Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. And Brother Pino will be with us. And, and I'm going to have Laura Gutierrez share in a session this time. One of our younger female ministers, she can preach now. So her dad was a pastor for half a century. So she was raised on it. She and Isaac both graduated from, I think it's called the River or something like that, Rodney Howard Brown's Bible College. And they are fired up. And their church is going great guns. We'll have Isaac share. He'll be a part of the praise and worship team. Ella can join if he wants because, you know, he's an extraordinary keyboard player. He plays all the instruments, kind of like Zach, except for Ellie's a really good trumpeteer as well. And I tell you, when God drops talent on people, they can just do anything. And I don't know, I think I was, when it dropped, I, I saw something. I was distracted, and I moved, and it fell and hit somebody else. And then he dropped the humor part, and I went over, and I got that. That hit me. So, anyway, uh, it's, it's a great summer ahead of us, and many neat things are going to be happening. I forgot to bring my light. I was recharging the battery, but hopefully I can just read off screen if I have to. But 
we're going to talk about in the midst of the glory today. We, I just cannot get away from the subject of the glory. How many want to be a part of the glory of God? I think I told you about that time when I was walking through here one day, and I stepped to the right towards the wall, and I stepped right into something that was so powerful, it just <laughs> washed all over me and swirled me, and it was like I got into an angel's wings. And it just hit me. And I walked, and I was like drunk in the Holy Spirit. And I turned around, and I said, that felt so good, I'm going to go the other way and do it again. And I walked over and went through it, and he had moved by then. But I tell you, it was tremendous. And then Richard, when he was here, if you missed that, you missed a great message that he brought to us Wednesday night. And what happened is he was doing a funeral in St. Louis, and then the burial was in Barney, Missouri. And that's why he was down here. He asked me what time we started. He wanted to come just be here with us. I said, will you come and minister for me? And he got here, and he had to kneel down. The glory of God was falling on us in our worship time. And he got up, and he, he started laughing and crying at the same time. And he said, boy, I don't know if I can go on. I don't know if I can stand and then he delivered a really great message. And you'd be blessed if you didn't hear it to go back and listen to it. It had some real good truths about, and it's not talking about levels so much as it is stepping through dimensions of grace into that third dimension where you can just really exercise the authority of Jesus Christ and the edicts and the verdicts of heaven. I think Tara even brought me a book to glance at one time, didn't you? And showed me where there was verdicts from heaven that we could impose against our enemies here on earth. And our intercessory prayer team is involved in that. Of course, they get backlash once in a while. I think Connie got hit with a dragon tail or something, and it hit her, but that infirmity is not going to remain you're going to be healed. You may walk out the building as you go like those lepers. The healing may hit you fully, and I'm believing for that. But, uh, you know, the enemy doesn't take it lightly when you start coming into his territory. You know, we sing that song, going down to the enemy's camp, take back what he stole from me. Well, that's what we're involved in. We're going down to the enemy's camp. And the enemy doesn't like it one bit that we go into his camp, you know. And the book of Jude even said, reaching into the fire, pulling out brands that were burning, pulling out some, saving some that are salvageable. Amen? I know some preached sermons years ago, and I've preached out of the same passage. I think it's out of Amos where it said, you know, all that was left was two legs and a piece of an ear from a lamb. And God can take that. If they can take a little bit of DNA and clone something today, don't you think God can take the pieces that have been torn apart by the enemy and he can put you back together again? Hallelujah. So he can take two legs and a piece of an ear and make the whole 
thing come back together again. So we're going to go down to the enemy's camp. We certainly are. We've been preaching out of Psalm 26 and 8, which says, Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house. David loved to be in the house of God. You know, it's tremendous to come into a place that's dedicated to worship, praise, and prayer. Jesus himself cleansed the temple, and he said, My house shall be a house of prayer. And I kind of like it. I think they were praying in the kitchenette for a while, and Sister Virginia said, I feel like we need to go back into the auditorium. And they all came back in here, and I see them in here on Fridays all the time. But you know what? We love the habitation of God's house because he lives and dwells with us. But when we all join together, when there's even two or three, there he is in our midst. And when he is in the midst, his glory is in the midst. Hallelujah. And then we go on and it says, And the place where your glory dwells. His house is a place of habitation, and his glory lives there. Brother Dennis, I asked him, because he, he sees in the supernatural, you know. Dennis is a, an easygoing guy. He's not complicated, wouldn't you say, Brother Sherman? I mean, he just, he just talks regular with you. He don't talk like a theological giant, which I don't know that I'd understand that very well. Anyway, but we just talk our common vernacular. But God opens his eyes to see things. And that's really neat when you can see. And I asked him, I said, did you see any angels up here on Wednesday night? He said, oh, they were all gathered around behind. Because Richard at a point said, I don't know if I can stand. You know, He felt such a presence up here where we teach. And Dennis said, yeah, it was loaded with angels. They were all around. I know they must be here again right now because I feel a little something in my right foot. And then I tell you what, I preach a little, I feel it in my left foot too. But let's go to Haggai. It's another Old Testament passage. Haggai 2. Let's read verses 5 through 9. I believe these messages, no matter who's preaching in this podium on Wednesdays and Sundays, I believe that... We are leading up to something awesome. And I think we're going to hit it at the women's conference. And then we're going to just go from there. The Bible says from glory to glory. And then at the CFFI conference. I think it's just going to explode during that time. And I believe with all my heart that people are going to begin to awaken and be drawn and they're going to be saved. Many are going to be saved. Things are happening. They are. Then verse 5, it says, According to the word that I commanded with you, covenanted with you, rather, and that is a key right there. And I'll give these points in a minute. Let's just read the passage. Covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. Now think about what it's saying. He made a covenant with them by his word. 
He said, when you came out. Everybody says out. You know, the world says, well, I came out. Well, you can come out of whatever and show off or whatever, whatever your sins are. Uh, but the thing is, they came out of Egypt. And that's where every one of you, I hope you come out of the darkness completely into his marvelous light. That's what Peter wrote. He said, you know, he's called us out of darkness, not just into a little dab of light, not just one match. Now I'll say this. I went into uh, the, there is a place in Jerusalem where they have, a, I think it's Roebuck or Sears, which one? Roebuck that gave the money to have this memorial to all those who were lost in the Holocaust. And they got mirrors in this memorial with these candles. And you walk in there and you look, and these mirrors make it look like the candles go on and on and on. As far as your eye can see in the mirror, you see the candles going on and on directions. And what it does, it's showing you that just a few candles being snuffed out could snuff out the reflection of all those into the future. It's quite an impacting memorial to visit. And I visited the Book of the Scroll memorial also. That's something to really see as well because they have scrolls of the Bible in there. But we see that he made a covenant when they came out of Egypt, out of the darkness into the light. It's not just a few candles. It's an explosive, glorious, powerful light that God is bringing. And he said, my spirit, it's right up there, my spirit remains among you. And then he gives another command. What does he say? Do not fear. Say that. Do not fear. He's commanding you that according to the word that he covenanted with you, he covenants with us, he did a covenant with Israel, that when they came out of Egypt, he said his spirit would remain among them. What else does the Lord say? And it's repeated in the book of Hebrews. He said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. His promise when you make a covenant with him is that he will never leave you, Eddie. He will never forsake you, Nelson. You would have to walk away from him. He will never walk away from you. He is there. He is close as a word on your lips. Jesus, he's that close. You say, Lord, he's that close. You say, oh, God, he's that close. He's right there where you need to receive your touch from him because he made a covenant all the way back to the time of Egypt when they came out. They came out with a lot of stuff. And, of course, after a time, Pharaoh got upset and then he sent his armies after them. And Moses held that rod up. The waters parted. 
and they walked across on dry ground. How many were there, Pastor Ken? Over a million, wasn't it? Over two million at that point. And so over two million people, can you imagine how long that might take for two million people to walk across the Red Sea? I've been there. I've been on the coast of the Red Sea. I didn't play in the water because I knew I'd fry like an egg in a skillet. But I sat under the shade. And Brother Ron Kelly's workers, we took them down there to give them a day of recreation. Of course, you know, the women, there's a lot of Muslims there. And so they would wear their stuff. Can you believe that? Their burqas or whatever you call them, over their face and their... They would wear that and go out and go around in the water. All covered up. You didn't have to worry about too much exposure. Most of those ladies didn't have clothes from head to toe. They still went and played in the water. But you know, God, He opened up that Red Sea and two million plus walked all the way across that sea. When they were done... And they went on, Moses went on. Then he turned around and he took that rod down and Pharaoh's armies got out in the middle of that and those waters came crashing down and terminated their assignment. He terminated the enemy. And God is with us. He's made a covenant with us. He said, don't fear, don't be afraid. See, fear is a thing the enemy tries to attack us with all the time. Somebody say, oh, I don't know. What I, do I have? I got a lump in my breast or I got a knot on my head or, or maybe, you know, I've got a skin problem or, or something. And they fear immediately. Now, I'm not saying don't go to a doctor. But I'm telling you, you don't have to be afraid if God is with you. Sometimes we go through surgery. Sometimes God does a miracle. But God covenanted with us and said, you're not to fear because His Spirit will remain with you. And I believe that promise was as much for them then as it is for us now as well. But we read on, it says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more, it is a little while. I like that part, don't you? See? Once more, it, and then in parentheses, it is a little while. I like those. I like to see the word little. You know, I was preaching in Herman Gutierrez Church down Brownsville, and I'd pray for people, and I'd say, you got any more pain? They'd say, a little bit. I'd say, little pain, got to go. Well, that was, that was a saying that could have gone on a T-shirt down there. Because I'd just say, everybody say, little pain, and they'd say, little pain. They'd chant it with me. Go, and they'd say, go. And then that person's little pain would go. Let's try that. Little pain? pain. Go. Go. Amen. So, in a little while? Yeah, you got it. Let's try it again. In a little while? He says here, he's going to shake the heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land. I thought maybe Richard would talk about the earthquakes. He, He was telling me about... There was 10 earthquakes that happened in a certain amount of time. But we've heard about earthquakes. We had one in Williamsville. Did y'all know that? 
That was about three months ago. Sounded like the angels were bowling in heaven. It was like a rolling, big old ball rolling down the lane. And then all of a sudden when it's going to hit the, the, you know, the pin, boom! I was eating at Zach's house that night after church. And that boom happened. I thought a tree fell on his house. I thought we need to go outside and see if a tree fell on his house. But that was that earthquake that was 4.1 or 2 or 3 on the Richter scale. You know, every time it goes up a little point, it's like what, a hundred times, a thousand times? Can you imagine then those earthquakes that hit in 18, what, 11, 18, 12? They, they estimated they were eight point something on the Richter scale. Made the Mississippi River run backwards for three days. It created Real Foot Lake over by Sandburg, Tennessee. I preached there one time next to that lake. It, it made a whole new lake. I mean, it, it, they, they even said, because we used to run earthquake preparedness drills when I was a school administrator, where FCC is today. That was where the Christian school was. Uh, Brother Sherman, Sister Virginia, some of the grandkids went there. Of course, I didn't know they were little then. So. But anyhow, we did earthquake drills. They were very concerned. Doesn't seem to be as much concern today as there used to be. Things going ways. Everybody's concerned about COVID. Now, kind of everybody's got over that. Well, before that, it was the bird flu. And before that, it was the swine flu. And before that, I don't remember what it was. I've slept a few times since then. But all these concerns that try to bring fear into our lives. And now there's a reawakening of the earth. You know, the Bible even says that the earth will have pains that cry for the return of Jesus Christ. And there are many things happening today. Wars, rumors of wars. We've been seeing that again over in the Ukraine and in Afghanistan and places like that, you know. But the thing is, God's telling us don't be afraid. But let's not be surprised either. Let's wake up, smell the coffee, how about it, and understand that there are things happening. Anyway, Richard kind of was doing a study, and he's connected some other guys. They were talking about the earthquakes and how they're a sign of things that are happening. How many of you know, I'm, I'm prophetic, so I understand this and have taught it for many, many years, that whatever's happening in the natural is a reflection of what God's trying to do in the supernatural. So if there's a lot of earthquakes, waking and quaking going on, then he is also shaking up the spiritual realm as well. So we've got to be on the, on the horse here. And he said in verse 7, and I will. He didn't say, well, I'm thinking about it, or I might. You know, he said, I will shake how many? All nations. Okay, nations is goye in the Hebrew, ethnos in the Greek, and that means ethnic groups. So he, when he says, I'm shake, going to shake all nations, it doesn't even necessarily mean just continents. How many nations are represented in the United States? Lord have mercy. There must be a thousand different countries. Or I don't know if there's that many countries in the world. But there's so many different nationalities because 
just go to somewhere like the Amazon jungle or go to Africa, and they got so many different tribes that uh, there's probably is over a thousand dialects being spoken in the world. So when he says, I'm going to shake the nations, he's talking about I'm going to shake every ethnic group that exists. There isn't anybody going to get away from it. If you're Irish, you can be shaken. If you're African, you can be shaken. If you're from Caribbean descent, you can be shaken. If you're from Spanish descent, you can be shaken. Well, if you're in my family, you've got a little bit of everything going on. If Nick's going to be shaken, it's because he's Irish, Scottish, English, Spanish, Italian, Norwegian. My brother did one of those DNA tests. So now they're saying we have some Norwegian in us too. Do you know that, Carol? We're Norwegian and a little bit of French, you know. I knew, comment allez-vous, you know. Uh, but, you know, we're, we are all nations within ourselves here in this congregation. We can be shaken like an incredible way. But he says that he will shake all the nations, all the ethnic groups, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. Now, Jerusalem is like the center of the universe. It's like the center of all the different religions. They got the Jewish quarter. They got the Muslim quarter. They got the Christian quarter. And I don't remember what the fourth quarter was, Pastor Ken. It's not North American heathen, so it might be the heathen quarter. But anyway, they got all these different nations that go there. But don't you know when it's applicable to Israel in the Old Testament, then it's usually prophetically applicable to the Christian church, which is Zion in the New Testament. You know, it's not just when Jesus walked the earth. We're in the Christian age, the age of grace. So as believers, then it is also applicable to us. So they will come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory. Well, they will come to a desired place. And don't you know when revival breaks out? And there's little splatterings and splinterings of revival here and there, but not in Papa Bluff to a great degree. There's two or three churches. I mean, red hot one for a couple years, and then that one's not as hot anymore. Then boom, it pops up over here for a couple years. And, you know, the thing is, because of our understanding and humankind and as preachers we have not navigated where we've never been see and what happens is one church grows to its maxed out capacity and they're thinking I just got to go build another building before they can even get it built that wave has already crashed I'm just telling you my understanding of reality. I'm not cursing any move that's in any church. But we try to control and pastor the revival. But when revival truly hits, you can't even pastor it. You better just get out of the way of it and better just get immersed in it because God will have it His way. You can't control it. You can't have a board meeting to try to direct it. 
You can't make enough decisions to do this or that. I mean, God will just plow his way through a community when he wants revival to hit. And people will do what? All nations, all different groups. Now, let's even call all denominations. That always bothered me, denominations. I'm glad it wasn't denominations. Demonations. That'd be, ooh, that'd be bad. Or abominations. Uh, but anyway, all the different denominations, they can't control it. All those different ones had their wave of glory. And the Pentecostals had waves of glory. Charismatics had waves of glory. We had the Toronto. We had the Pensacola. We had the Smithton. We had all these different waves of glory. Sister Connie Dawson, when she does come, she wrote a book on the history, church history, didn't she, Zach? Anyway, she can teach a whole class on it. She has. And to help you to understand how revival works. But, you know, it's not contained in Toronto. It's not contained in Pensacola. You know, John Kilpatrick, I heard, was here last week. Brother Ronnie Webb tried to get a hold of me, and it wasn't in time. I was already sitting in my recliner in my shorts and T-shirt with my iced tea. And uh, Zach called me and said, Bishop Webb was trying to get a hold of you. I said, well, I don't know why he didn't just call my phone, you know. <laughs> He's got my number, I think. But anyway, he had John Kilpatrick for one night. And... Uh, I've met him before. I met Steve Hill. I, I went to that revival before they even stood in line. I was there at the very beginning. And uh, I was there when the Lakeland thing broke out with Rodney Howard Brown. I got blistered on that one. I mean, I got slain in the spirit on the platform. I tried to get up, and I couldn't. I was like Velcro stuck to the floor. Everybody else was laughing. And I thought, what is going on? Everybody's laughing. Are they laughing because I can't get up or what? I was trying. You know, I was laying there. I was like I was stuck, Brother Steve. I, I didn't understand what was going on. I was laying on the platform. They had all the pastors come up there. and He went by and just, and we were all down on the ground. Nick was a little boy back then. I think you were a baby. 96. First time he was born in 96, so he was a little infant. And... Uh, there I was, laying on the platform. Had five guys with me. You were one of them, weren't you, Pastor Ken? He was with me. And they all got up. I don't know how they got up, but they went back somewhere. And finally, the laughter rolled along until it hit me. And I began to laugh. When I did, this arm went loose. I said, looky there. I started laughing some more. This arm went loose. I said, whoa, looky there. And my arms were going. Then this leg and then this leg. I said, man. I'm loose as a goose. And I jumped up. I was kind of dancing in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I looked around. I said, whoa, I'm one of the only ones up here now. And I, I snuck my way back and I sat down where I thought our seat was. Cookie, I was two sections over in that Lakeland church. That church held about 4,000 people. I missed it by like 500 seats. I was over there, I was sitting, I said, where are them guys? When are they going to come back to the seat? And I looked over, and two whole sections over there they were. Pastor Ken was waving at me. 
I said, hi. I'll just stay there. I felt so good. Why move? You know? I, I thought, man, if I try to get up, I know I'm going to lose it. Then we went about six months or a year later. I took all my construction guys, Derek, with me up to West Palm Beach under a tent meeting with a big church there. And Rodney Howard Brown was the guest speaker there. And wouldn't you know it, we were sitting on the back row of that tent, and uh, Hank Bowes was with me. You know, he was my treasurer, so he wrote all the checks for the construction of it. And he was sitting next to me. I don't know if you know Hank very well. He's one of the few guys I know that can cry and laugh at the same time. He's just crying tears and laughing and shaking when he laughs. And you know what? He was a bigger guy then. He must have gone about 350, 360. Big old football player of a guy. And I was sitting next to him, and he started to shake. He was like a boiling pot. And he just started to shake, and then he began to chuckle, and then he began to cry. I said, oh, no. <laughs> I'm not even going to look at him. And I took a little glance, and he was grinning and laughing. He put his head back and began to belly laugh. And that, about that time, it just cut loose in me. We were laughing so hard, slapping our legs. Have you ever laughed so hard you slapped your leg? I couldn't even control it, Kevin. I just had to slap my leg. Then I said, that felt so good, I slapped this leg too. <laughs> I was like a drunkard. But I was drunk on the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you need a touch from heaven that changes your outlook. And fear has to go. Man, I tell you what, what was I trying to do? I was trying to finish some buildings. I was hoping people would move back in because Hurricane Andrew had decimated the place. It looked like it had an atomic bomb go off there. And I was trying to rebuild after the hurricane. And I had kids. I had three kids then. Little did I know a fourth one would be on the way before long. But, man... We just laughed and carried on. And we went back to the hotel where we were staying. And we were laughing in the, in the elevator. And somebody got on and says, Man, where'd y'all go tonight? You know, some lady. And she said, What party were y'all at? I looked at Hank and he looked at me and the other guys. We just all started laughing again. I said, you, I don't know, but you need to go there. I couldn't tell you how to get there even. We made it back to the hotel. But boy, all desire, all nations, all ethnic groups, it won't matter if you speak Spanish or not. I've always said it, I've told you, I've cast demons out of people in Mexico and I never needed a translator to do it. I just cast them out because demons understand every language. They got to go because the name of Jesus is powerful. And I'm not belittling anything, but a lot of people like the Jewish stuff. And they want to call Jesus Yeshua. Well, I grew up calling him Jesus, so I still use Jesus. And when I said Jesus, the demons tremble. And they are gone. Now, if you want to worship, and that's a good worship song, you sing Yeshua. That's awesome. I think that's great. We sing Yahweh today. I just say God, you know. 
but I'm not belittling anybody. I'm just a poor country boy. You know, that's all I know. But you say Jesus, and they're going to come to the desire of all nations. They're going to come where people want what you got. And he said, I will fill this temple with glory. Now, I'm probably not going to be able to get to it all. I got points that are supposed to come out of this passage right here. Let me see. Number 8, verse 8. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. If you ever watch Fox Business or something like that, and you watch silver's going up and down, gold's going up and down. Well, Dave, you know what? I watched that for a while, and now I don't even look at it anymore because God already said it's his. All the gold is his. All the silver is his. No, it's not going to be Mark Cuban. It's not going to be Elon Musk. It's not even going to be Donald Trump. They are just people. All this stuff belongs to God, and we don't have to fear. People try to get you to be afraid. I stocked up a bunch of extra canned goods because I started reading some stuff. And you know what? That's probably not a bad idea to put a few extra canned goods back in case there's a little shortage. You know what? God can turn that thing around overnight. If I need some peppers, I'm going to Sean's house. He's growing them in his greenhouse. He's not even putting his head up now looking at me. Saying, wait a minute now. Easy now. But all of it's his. When he shakes it and he fills his temple with glory, I'm not even worried about money, Eddie, because when God fills something with his glory, all the gold and silver is his too. So when the glory comes in, all the provision will come in with it that we need to do what he wants us to do. I don't know about you. I feel some doodad. And are we up to verse 9? Let's see what verse 9 says. This, this is like the clincher. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Now what's interesting to me, I'm not even going to say my points, you know, because I've already preached every point that I was going to put up there. So the points are for me and for Philip and Zach. Zach saw them. But go to Second Chronicles chapter 7. Because if we want to understand how the latter is going to be greater than the former, we've got to know what the former did. Now David was a man of war and he had blood on his hands. So God was not going to let him build his temple. But he did let him procure all the materials that he needed to build with. And then he made Solomon, his son, his heir, the king. And Solomon built the house for God. Well, nobody can build a house that can hold God, but it's a place where he can come and habitate with us, and his glory can dwell. And what we see in Second Chronicles 7, we'll just go down the list, when Solomon... See, because once the house was built, 
and all the stuff was put into it, and it was unbelievably spectacular. I'm talking about gold and silver and bronze and special wood, and it was just beautiful. Then he's going to dedicate it, and when Solomon had finished praying, because see, what Jesus say in the New Testament? He got rid of all the crud, and then he said, my house shall be a house of prayer. Solomon understood once the house was dedicated and ready, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. That's the former temple. And if the latter is going to be greater, Helen, Lord have mercy. I tell you what, do you want to be there? Because when the fire falls, it's going to be more than it was during Solomon's day. That's why it's going to be amazing. And I, I'll say this prophetically. A lot of times I'll say you're going to feel a heat come on your body when we pray for healing. I'm telling you, fire, it's going to feel like fires come on the bodies. It's going to be like fire come on your belly and as you get full of the Holy Ghost. There ain't going to be any disputing or arguing over gifts of the Holy Ghost because they're all going to be happening. It's all going to be pouring out. But he said, his, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. What's the next verse? And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. So that's the key. Whose house is it? It's the Lord's house. It's not my house, although we come and we have charge of it. But he said the priest couldn't even enter because the glory had filled it. I bumped into that angel along that wall that day. They were part of that glory. Boom. I didn't know if I was going to be able to stand up. I barely made it to the front. And then the next verse, when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down. Now they, that was sacrifices that they had on the sacrificial table, you know. The fire came down and consumed the sacrifice. It didn't just cook it. It wasn't just a fragrant aroma. The glory of God torched it. And they bowed their faces to the ground. I, I found this interesting. On the pavement and worship and praise the Lord, saying, now get a picture of that. If the latter is going to be greater than the former, and if we have that revival hit here and the fire falls and we can't even get in the room and the workers can't even get in the room because the glory of God's filled this temple and then people start arriving, getting out of their cars and the glory is so great, Chelsea, they see like a fire on the building. But they try to get out. Maybe they even try to get on their cell phones. Garland Bilbo could tell you this story. They took a youth uh, group one time down to Puerto Rico and they were ministering and they were in that place and the power of God was just exploding in that church. Two fire trucks showed up because 
people called the fire department there, wherever they were in Puerto Rico, and said, the church on such and such street is on fire. They literally saw flames all over the building. I had a, an experience this week. I drove by and saw a pawn shop on fire on the corner of N Highway by where Carol lives and the uh, business 60. Well, I won't say no names, but there was a adult whatever in that place at one time. <laughs> I got to be careful what I say. You know. But I'll tell you like this. I used to drive by scooters too when I was on County Road 556. And that's my road. You turn off on it. Then you go around the curve. And I turn left onto Red Robin Lane. That's the street I live on. Well, every time, my wife could verify this to you, my kids even. I don't know if you all remember that. Uh, but I'd drive by there, and i just put my hand out, and i say, Lord, close that place down in the name of Jesus and turn it into a flea market. You know it wasn't but about a year later. Because every time i drive by, Brother Steve, I'd say that, that place closed down. And I mean tell you, they'd have bands in there going off and everything and people coming out drunk and you could smell the marijuana and all when I'd go by there and, and they'd get drunk and they'd go up the hill. There's no going through. They'd have to turn around and come back. You know, all these people driving up in my neighborhood and out and one of them got in the back road one night and then he came along and I heard this boom and he ran off the road and hit my tree and bounced off. I said, honey, I better get down there. This guy might be in trouble. So I slipped on some shorts and t-shirt, my shoes. I ran out there and down there, and he had already backed up and was racing off. I said, didn't even hurt him, I guess. But dented the front of his car. I mean, my tree was like this big around. And he hit that thing, it was so loud. I thought it shook my house. But I'd say, close that place down in the name of Jesus. And turn it into a flea market. Sister Vicky, you know what happened, don't you? Scooters 2 is no longer. I don't know the name of it now, but it is a flea market. Hallelujah. It's like Brother Richard preached. He said, it's up to us when we get past this level of sin where we're always repenting for sin. And then we get, what was the second one? righteousness then we get past oh I'm, I'm so unrighteous and all this no we then we realize we're righteous and then we enter that third dimension where we have authority that's why I like to tell people when you win in an area of your life that you struggled in before Mickey Butler he was living in the woods in a cardboard box with another gal. They were living out in the middle of the woods and he was a cocaine addict, marijuana addict, drunk, drinking, you name it, all of it. Well, he cried out to God because he was raised up till he was nine years old in Assembly God Church. He cried out to God. He said, help me, God. And he got up and walked out of the woods that day and he got with AA, 
and he met a man named George MacDonald. George MacDonald was my head usher at the church in South Florida. And Mickey, you know, Mickey was sober. I mean, he got sober, but he was, face was so sober. You know, he couldn't even crack a smile. And he came to church one day, and he had on his white T-shirt. He, he has a tree-cutting company, landscaping. So this guy is swarthy, red, dark red. I mean, he looked like the man on the back of the red man chewing tobacco label. And he, <laughs> he was so red, he's in the sun all the time. And he had on his jeans and his work boots, and he would sit there week after week like that. One day I made an altar call and he came forward. And he needed a touch of God. And I put my hands on him and he said he'll never forget. Now I prayed this way over many people, thousands of people. And I'd say, Lord, let them never be the same again in Jesus' name. He said, when you said those words, I believed it. And the power of God hit him. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit. He started going on mission trips with me. He married a girl out of Tino's church. And I mean, they are having a great life together in South Florida. Mickey's traveled to 11 countries, preaching the gospel, going up into the mountains of Haiti and Colombian places and Peru. Yeah. Mickey's famous words when we go to Mexico is when we go eat and we get tacos. And then after he ate them, he'd say, Dos mas. He had a raspy-like voice. That meant two more. But Mickey's life was changed. And I told him, I said, you know, David defeated Goliath, and he got his sword. When he needed a sword, he went to the priest, Abiathar, I think it was. Wasn't that Abiathar? Anyway, he, he let him eat there with him and took, he said, do you have a weapon? And he pulled the sword from behind the ephod and brought it to David. You know what it was? It was Goliath's sword. David was a kid when he slayed Goliath and he took his own sword after he knocked him out and cut his head off with it. And he got that sword. He is now probably closer to 30 years old. You know, After running from Saul all those years, he is probably strong. And Now he had this big sword that he could swing. Well, God will give you a ministry and he'll let you have the glory in the midst of it because he's good and his mercy endures forever. Amen? I tell you what, he has a plan for each of us and the glory of God is all part of it. And I'm sure I had a New Testament scripture here somewhere. John 1.14, let's see what it says. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That was that prophetic song in my head when Zach got finished today. It was about drink from the water of grace and truth. Well, the glory of God is when you have the Son of God in the middle of your heart and your life. Amen? Well... I'm going to stop right there because a good preacher knows when he's done.
and I'm going to ask you to stand with me today. God's glory will be there because we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And when Jesus is the word that beholds his glory lives inside of you. And you don't fear because you know who you are. They try to tell you you got cancer. You tell them, no, I'm not going to accept that. I, I just reject that in the name of Jesus. They try to put some label on you. Don't accept it. I'm not telling you don't go back to the doctor. The doctor will verify and confirm the work of God that he's doing in you. You accept the word of the Lord. He said he gave them a covenant, but it was given to them when they came out of Egypt. They didn't stay in Egypt. In fact, the ones that started acting like, well, you know, at least I knew what I had when I was in Egypt. I'm out here eating these manna burgers every day and manna bread and manna cereal. Everything's manna. I'm so sick of manna. Well, if they had had faith when the two spies came back that believed, the ten said, oh, we're afraid. God didn't make us to be afraid. He called us out of Egypt and had a covenant that says, don't fear because my glory will be with you. Then you hold on to it. And you believe with all your heart. Because I tell you what, the shaking hasn't even really started quite yet. And when it does, he's going to shake the heavens. He's going to shake the earth. He's going to shake politics. You're going to see things happen starting this coming week probably that you never dreamed. I mean, things are going to start being exposed and turned over and everything. You're going to see a shaking in the finances. You're going to see a shaking in the church world. You're going to see a shaking in every area of life. And there's going to be the glory of God revealed because His fire is going to come down on the house. And the fire's already started coming. I mean, when I saw that pawn shop burnt that had that adult bookstore in it or whatever it was, whatever they had in there, I said, fire's coming. They try to say, oh, it was because of this or that. But, you know, it's something. Yeah. Everybody lift your hands right where you're at. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person that is here today. I thank you that your hand is upon them, that you are with them. You've called them out of the darkness into your marvelous light, and your glory is for them, God and they can see the things that you promised in the midst of the glory. Healings, disease going, sickness going, infirmities being destroyed, and other things happening. Jobs, better jobs, victories, uh, finances. They're going to be like a wave that's going to overtake us, Lord, as you have more than enough because you own all the gold, silver, and a cattle on a thousand hillsides. Whatever you've shown us to be done and accomplished, like Brother Gorman and Brother Summerall always told me, they said, son, if you saw it, it will happen. And I've held on because I know that it is coming in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Begin to praise him for a minute. Hallelujah.
Glory. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, O oh God. We thank you. We rejoice in you. We declare it that you are Lord. You are King. You are the Lord of this city. Hallelujah. And you're going to have it your way. Amen. Well, remember, you're the head and not the tail, the blessed and not the cursed. You are the redeemed of the Lord, and you should be able to say so. And when you share with others the word, they'll taste and see that the word of God is good, that his mercy endureth forever. So as you leave here, keep your head up and understand and know you're a child of Almighty God, and he has for you the glory of God to prove it, and you shall not fear. Amen. God bless you. Lord be with you.